Butter, the podcast about meals, memories, and milk fats. I'm your host, Amy Allen. My guest today is Katie Clune. She's a freelance designer and writer based in Durham, North Carolina. Welcome, Katie. Thank you, Amy. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so we just had dinner, and we had a delicious Lao meal with green papaya salad and beef and sticky rice. And you have a unique relationship with Lao culture and food, correct? I do. What is that? Well, when I came to North Carolina from D.C. for graduate school, that same month my parents were moving to Vientiane, Laos, Mm -hmm. to actually, my dad was the ambassador for Laos, Mm -hmm. and is until this coming September. Oh, wow. Yeah. So while I was in graduate school, I made it my mission to figure out a master's thesis that would enable me to spend as much time as possible visiting them Uh (laughs) under the guise of research and eating and generally soaking up the culture. And um, I ended up being able to do that in the program at UNC Chapel Hill that I attended. Nice. So uh, what did you find out about Lao food like what makes what distinguishes it from other foods in that region I think that Lao food is connected to the rest of Southeast Asian cuisine pretty deeply there is a a book I can't remember the authors now but it's called like something like bitter salty hot sweet and Uh it's really about how Southeast Asian Cuisine combines these different flavors and textures and even temperatures in a creative way all along the Mekong River. Mm-hmm. Um, because those, like other places in the world, those nations and their borders are you know, somewhat lately invented in the last couple centuries. Um, but what distinguishes Lao food from like Vietnamese or Thailand or Chinese, some of their neighbors, I would say sticky rice is a big component because mm-hmm. most of those neighboring countries prefer steamed rice, but Lao food, like sticky rice, is absolutely always on the table. Mm-hmm. And then incredible heat, like so crazy hot, you can't even imagine. Like imagine eating a hot dish, but then having a raw hot chili in your hand and taking a bite of that chili <laughs> between bites of the dish i can't (laughs) (laughs) i mean either i could never go that far um and then the other thing that really distinguishes it is believe it or not the fish sauce Mm -hmm. lao fish sauce is called padek Mm -hmm. and thai fish sauce which most people are familiar with is golden in color and you know transparent but imagine if you will in a simplified way of explaining it you know, put a bunch of fish in a barrel to ferment. Mm-hmm. The Thai fish sauce will be the stuff on the top, and mm-hmm. the Lao fish sauce will be like all the gook on the bottom. <laughs> uh-huh. And it is so incredibly fishy. Like right. the papaya salad that we just ate was Thai style, mm-hmm. like Lao style. Like I, I'm an adventurous eater, and <laughs> I can't, I can't handle it. It's like dark brown with that fish sauce. Right. Um, and one of the people that I met in the course of, you know, learning about this cuisine explained Padek to me, like, makeup. Mm-hmm. Like, you need a little bit to, like, finish, you know, make the 
dish complete, but you can't overdo it. Otherwise, no one likes it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want layers and layers right. of foundation and eyeshadow. Right, which, which right. I liked. And she also calls it butter for Lao food. Actually, yeah. which fits with the <laughs> yeah. podcast name. Yeah, because I guess the, top, the, the Lao fish sauce would be the, like... It's like the, the condiment like, in everything, basically. Yeah. The, like, rich butter with everything in it and the Thai mm-hmm. fish sauce would be like the clarified butter that like yeah. separates itself there out. There you go. It's a good Is metaphor. Is it so intense? Yeah. So, so your father's a diplomat. So did you grow up in a lot of different places? Like, I did. Where have you lived? I was born in Chicago, but my dad had already moved to the Bahamas. So my mom had yeah. me uh-huh. and had brought me home to her parents in Chicago, but as soon as she could fly and I could travel, moved to the Bahamas for two years. Mm -hmm. And then we went back to Maryland because in the Foreign Service, you take time working for the State Department in Washington, D.C., so we were there for a number of years. But by the time I was in first grade, we had moved to Jakarta, Indonesia for four years. Wow. And then back to Washington to finish out fifth grade, Mm -hmm. and then sixth and seventh, we're in Paris. Mm-hmm. And eighth and ninth, we're back to the Bahamas. <laughs> and then tenth through twelfth, we're in, again in the Washington area. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college at Berkeley, California. And then six months after college with my parents in the in Australia uh-huh. because I graduated early and kind of like why not sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then they were in D.C. for a number of years. And then my dad's last posting is us. That's amazing. So what? Yeah. <laughs> Bahamas, Bahamas, Indonesia, Paris, Australia, Laos. Yeah. Laos. Yes. So do you have like... In France. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have specific food memories of different places? Like do you have a place that was your favorite or something that you crave or miss? That's a good question. Um, (laughs) I think that those are, you know, for each place I could answer what Mm -hmm. I craved and missed. But when you said that, the image that popped up was like a typical Bahamian dinner, which Uh is like grilled or fried red snapper Mm -hmm. with uh, black peas and rice and like fried plantains and coleslaw Mm -hmm. which is just so good that sounds amazing for dessert something called guava duff which is like a i don't even know i think it's kind of like a jelly roll but Mm -hmm. like a soft sort of cake thing that's laid out flat and then guava jam Mm -hmm. kind of in it and then roll it up sort Mm -hmm. of like a cinnamon bun and then slice it and serve it with this like guava butter Ooh, just amazing that sounds great (laughs) it's so good i haven't had anything like that since i've lived there and when we were living there my dad was um the deputy chief of mission so number two Mm -hmm. so he had entertaining responsibilities which means we had a cook which means she would make guava duff for like actual diplomatic occasions which means there would be like that container full of that guava butter in our fridge (laughs) and i would definitely visit it with a spoon oh my gosh that (laughs) sounds amazing yeah i didn't try guava until i was 
probably in late high school and my stepmother grew up in Florida and with she at Guava all the time there and so one Thanksgiving we went to a potluck and she brought guava paste sliced with cream cheese slices Ooh, yum. and it was am- I couldn't stop mm-hmm. it was so good <laughs> it's really good I remember the cook cook's name who worked for us was Vizna Mm -hmm. and she would pick me up from school sometimes and she was really cool and she had this like big red pickup truck Uh so whenever she would pick me up I felt pretty awesome I remember (laughs) once she did it and Thong Song was playing (laughs) and this was like Thong Song when it actually was like Like, like, really like fresh (laughs) and then I think on our way home she stopped at this vacant house where she knew there was a good guava tree and we pick some just a little bit of Cisco and guava picking. Yeah, exactly. That's an amazing afternoon. It was pretty good for like an eighth grader. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sounds amazing. So, yeah, I guess as you move from place to place and are experiencing all these different cultures that you like immediately have to adjust to, did your family have traditions that like remain the same from place to place? Yeah, I thought about that a lot as an adult just because I found transition like big transitions that I've made as a adult alone have been more difficult and I thought they would always be easy because mm-hmm. of the way I grew up, but I've learned or come to understand that my mom worked so hard to make those transitions easy and mm-hmm. I think most of it came out more in environment over food. Um, like in each place we lived, you know, she carefully recreated our home as it was and, you yeah. know, figured out how to make the new house ours as, you know, whether it was repainting or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it took. And with the foods, I feel like my whole family is so open to trying new foods that it wasn't it was more about creating that solid foundation to feel comfortable and at home in to be able to then enjoy you know what was out there mm-hmm. um but you know my my and my mom is really good at going to a restaurant and then being able to recreate that dish. So she does that a lot and she's Mm -hmm. able to cook, you know, pretty much anything. So her cooking evolves a lot, but then of course, because not every night can you do something amazing there, Mm -hmm. there's classics. Like my dad really loves spaghetti and beef stroganoff. Uh So that's, (laughs) those would always be there. But I think for me, when I think about, you know, what was the, connecting thread between those places that made it easy to go from place to place it was more about the home environment as a whole as opposed to food right um because I do have specific like each place sort of had its own kind of food Mm -hmm. flavor and often it was because we had a cook or in Indonesia we had a maid who lived with us and Mm -hmm. they were cooking for us a lot and very much sharing the culture they came from right I don't really know anything about Indonesian food. What is that like? Yeah, I don't... I'm only telling you from memory, but it's... It's 
very rich mm-hmm. in a way like Southeast Asian food is all about like very often they won't even cook vegetables mm-hmm. like a lot of fresh herbs or fresh you know green papaya mm-hmm. it's just shredded and then mixed with stuff and pounded um, and they value that kind of cold crunchy a lot more yeah Indonesian food must have some kind of Indian influence because there's a lot of heavy curries with mm-hmm. coconut milk like, mm-hmm. and just cooked forever and like really dense spicy. Yeah. Like uh, one of my favorite dishes is called rendang mm-hmm. and um, it's, I think it's primarily with goat, but I don't know that rendang necessarily means goat. Like I think it's a type of curry you could have with anything, mm-hmm. but just imagine like cooked forever with like, 15 different spices and coconut mm-hmm. milk and heavy and mm-hmm. like a satay that yeah. you've probably had as Indonesian mm-hmm. um, grilled chicken with peanut sauce, Yum. Um, steamed rice, achar is Indonesian. That's like a the little cucumber mm-hmm. vinegar salad that you'll get with satay. Uh, my favorite dish as a kid that I remember I asked for my birthday once was soto ayam, which is like chicken soup which is Uh like a really delicious like brothy chicken noodle soup but with sliced eggs and green beans and Mm -hmm. i guess like indonesia's pho or something like that so i would say yeah almost i think filipino food is similar too like has those real indian creamy curry influences as opposed to southeast asian where Mm -hmm. the creamy doesn't happen as often right that when i was in college uh like once a month I had a date with two friends that we would walk like four or five blocks, which to us at the time felt like a really long way uh, to go get Indian food. And it always fell on a like dreary, rainy day. And that's it established that every time it's weather like that, that's the sort of food I want. It's just that creamy coconut milk, spicy, warm, like everything about that food is warm Mm -hmm. to me. Uh, and it's, it's really rich. Yeah, rich and creamy and smooth, and all the warm spices of it, and actually warm temperature also. That yeah, I can't. Any time it's sort of a little bit dreary outside, if I have to walk at all, I think I just I need to be rewarded with a lot of curry at the end of this. Or yeah, else. what is it for? Yum. Yeah. Um. So. So that was Indonesia. What about in Paris? Like, in my mind, that's... I've never been to France, but it's some place where I kind of, like, fantasize about the food because in my mind it's all, like, butter sauces and soft bread, (laughs) which is a dream. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have to qualify this by saying I was in sixth and seventh grade, so what is that? That's Uh, like 11 to mm -hmm. 13, roughly, somewhere in there. Right. So through the eyes of 11 to 13 (laughs) Yeah. Would you? There was a restaurant on the corner of my street that had uh, all-you-could-eat chocolate mousse dessert. Oh, no. It was one of my favorites. (laughs) (laughs) That was where we went for my birthday. Uh Mm Uh-huh. But honestly, I think one of my strongest food memories from France, of two... The first one was just any ca- sidewalk cafe that you go to and you order like a ham and cheese sandwich mm-hmm. because they're using the best possible ingredients on earth, like uh-huh. a French baguette with French butter 
with French ham uh-huh. and delicious thinly sliced cheese and another layer of crusty, beautiful baguette. <laughs> it's just the best sandwich you can possibly imagine. <laughs> right. And they, like, you know, treat butter as cheese, too, like, just slabs of it. Oh, man. It's, and, like, a really thin baguette. Uh-huh. <laughs> so good. Um, and then I, my mom always says the best meal of, the, of her life that she's ever had mm-hmm. was when we... We were in the north of France in a place called Plua mm-hmm. in Normandy, and there was, I don't know, for some reason we bought, I don't know why, I guess my parents were feeling adventurous, they bought a bag of fresh scallops mm-hmm. and brought them back, and big, like, I've never before seen this, a scallop shell, but they're about right. the size of your palm, and uh-huh. beautiful red and white patterns, like, yeah. the ones we pick up on the beach here are, you know, maybe... Yeah. They're four times the size. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of shell where you get that, like, quarter size, you know, inch or more thick, like, mm-hmm. scallop medallion. Uh-huh. But when you buy fresh scallops, you have to murder them <laughs> in order to eat them. Okay. And as a sixth grader uh-huh. or seventh, who knows, I was very sensitive to it. Uh-huh. And I remember I like left the house and was like pouting in a tree <laughs> and I was really kind of upset. Uh-huh. But then dinner time came around and it was so good. <laughs> and my mom always just says it was the best because it was the freshest scallops and all they did was simmer them in garlic and butter and had mm-hmm. some really good bread and wine and that was it. Yeah. So that's that's the funny thing about living in these places as a kid. It's like you have those memories, but then they're qualified by these weird kid lenses <laughs> right. of yeah. like, oh, scallops. <laughs> Just like, I can't. Yeah. They don't have faces, but it still hurts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, as an adult, one of the things I would like to do is find a way to go back to these different places I lived and like re-experience them as yeah. a full Absolutely. human. <laughs> yeah. Um. I was amazed by how the ease with which you, like, put together our dinner tonight with, like, not looking at any recipes or just knowing how much to do of everything, like, by feel, not with measurements. Is that how you cook generally? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Do you have, like, go-to meals that are easy or is that just everything? Um, I, I think it's the way I cook when I'm cooking things that are familiar for myself. Like Mm -hmm. if I definitely also follow recipes to try new things. Mm -hmm. Um, But my sort of go-to default would be just some kind of stir fry. Yeah. Like you, because I have these stock condiments in my fridge (laughs) that Uh can be, you know, used for what, I don't know, a couple hundred meals. Right. (laughs) So, uh, and stir fries are so flexible and healthy. I mm-hmm. think that's like probably my most basic meal. But lately I've discovered polenta. Oh, yeah. And it's really fun to experiment with by myself uh-huh. because I think a lot of people have like weird feelings about polenta. Like, so in my mind, <laughs> I'm very familiar with grits. Mm-hmm. Like, growing up always in North Carolina, grits are. Uh, a familiar like mainstay though side note about grits I have mentioned that I worked at a folk school up in the mountains for a while that have people come to take art classes for a week and it's sort of like a summer camp for adults and people come from all over and all the people who were 
in any way not from the South, like mostly from Ohio, they would see grits in the buffet and think it was like interchangeable with oatmeal. And they like put yogurt in it, which was also in the buffet. So does that disturb you? Yes. They would it's like not put, as shocking to me because I'm not from the South. See, they would put like, I raisins and sugar. I wouldn't do it, but I can understand where they're coming from. For, for me, it's simply just a vehicle for butter and salt. Like, <laughs> what about cheese and hot and sauce? And cheese and shrimp and bacon. Okay. Like shrimp and grits or just plain grits with butter and salt and pepper. But it's very, it was very strange for me to see these like sweet sort of porgy grits that people would fix for themselves but that's my little tangent about grits that's i know polenta is more like more yellow and (laughs) (laughs) and i've seen like polenta cakes yes so you can buy a tube at whole foods for Uh like three bucks Uh and then what i do is i slice it Uh and Fry it in olive oil, and then you mm. can put anything as a topping. Uh-huh. And it's just like this delicious, like, it's the carb for the meal. Right. But it's a healthy carb because it's cornmeal. And yeah. it's also like a little patty, but I didn't have to do anything. I just <laughs> uh-huh. sliced the tube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, f- I feel like when I f- am proud of myself as a cook, it's more about, oh, God, I need to make dinner now. Uh-huh. I have like this tube of polenta. Uh-huh. A can of beans and a tomato. <laughs> like, what the f am I gonna do? <laughs> and the fact that I've, you know, feel comfortable enough in the kitchen that I can like churn pantry into a meal is yeah. really fun. But I wouldn't necessarily do that for anyone but myself. Right. <laughs> I think that's an amazing skill. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, when you are cooking for other people, like, sorry, Percy the cat is wildly wrestling an octopus, a stuffed octopus now. Great. (laughs) (laughs) And making amazing eye contact. show yeah and he only does it when there's guests (laughs) (laughs) i don't get it when i'm just home alone eating polenta (laughs) um so when you go out and to cook for other people like for a potluck or a party or something what like you said you were proud of yourself when you can throw together something but if you're like showing off for other people what kind of food do you like to make? 
Well, it kind of showed off for you all tonight. It was great. I was so impressed. But you also helped by shredding all that. I shredded a lot of papaya. Yeah. But it felt good. It felt like I was really being a part of the meal. Good. Uh, I guess my experience is colored by the last couple years when I have been learning so much about Lao food and Mm -hmm. deeply embedded in that research Mm -hmm. that I, that's my show off food because people, I've had a couple chances like tonight or other dinner parties or book clubs where I've brought and made happen like a full Lao meal. And Uh I don't know that like that's definitely show offy because it's like. (laughs) I mean, how many people have even heard of Laos and here I'm cooking you sticky rice? Yeah. Like, but I don't think that's really potluck food. Mm-hmm. So it's, I feel like I'm at the two poles, like crazy Lao food, I'll fix you papaya salad, or I don't have a lot of time, I'm going to make a chocolate chest pie because that's amazing uh-huh. and people like it and it's easy. Chocolate chest pie will make people fall in love with you. Like, it's, it's so simple and it mm-hmm. is the best. Mm-hmm. And you can usually do it with what's in your pantry. Yeah. My aunt used to just give chocolate chest pies that she made as Christmas presents. Like, instead of buying That's awesome. stuff for people, she'd just make so many chocolate chest pies. And they were amazing. They really are. Yeah. Um, so, uh, where did your parents... You mentioned that you had, like, cooks in the different places that you lived. Did you... But that your mom was great at, like, sort of adopting recipes. Did both of your parents like to cook, or where did you, like, find So, my, I'm 9 and 12 years younger than my older sisters, Uh and I've heard this myth in my family that my dad used to cook French toast, Uh bread, Uh chili. Uh Never happened. (laughs) I was around... I honestly, like, I couldn't tell you a thing he's cooked, Yeah, <laughs> which is, like, yeah. kind of, you know, he can reheat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe scramble some eggs <laughs> under duress, but he, since I've been around, that's not something that he's done. Mm-hmm. Maybe in retirement, he'll get back into it. Yeah. He used to make eggnog. Ooh. I know, like, some cool stuff. Yeah. Just legend. Yeah. As far as I'm <laughs> concerned. And my mom loves cooking and she's always had this funny, mm-hmm. like as a State Department employee, when you're overseas, you often have to have a maid or a housekeeper because it's part of supporting the local economy. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of part of the package. Mm-hmm. And the embassy supports those salaries. And then once you get into higher positions and you have to have staff at your house because your house isn't really a house anymore it's like an entertainment venue for different diplomatic events right but my mom went since my dad has been in these higher positions where the Mm -hmm. the kitchen is really almost a professional kitchen my Mm -hmm. mom has struggled because she loves to cook and she's so critical of the women who (laughs) cook for her just because she would rather be cooking right so she relishes the weekends when she can make things like beef stroganoff and spaghetti just because it's easy and simple and yeah there's something I think very sort of cathartic about cooking when you see things start to change and come together and it's just like oh I've really accomplished something and my mom is such a like from 
she when we were living in France, I remember she would send me down to the corner to buy her a bottle of wine if she didn't have any when mm-hmm. it was dinner time because she loves to have a glass of wine or maybe yeah. a bourbon and ginger ale <laughs> while she cooks. It's uh-huh. very much like a routine that she relishes and gets so much satisfaction out of and mm-hmm. also really enjoys and takes care of her tools. Like mm-hmm. since being overseas and not having her kitchen, she jokes about having a hope chest uh-huh. where she'll like, you know, buy a really nice spatula or a dish towel uh-huh. and like not use it, <laughs> but save it for yeah. when she's back in her own kitchen in the U.S. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure... Especially with the cooking by intuition, all that stuff just comes from her. Yeah. And not being afraid to try, like, you know, different world cuisines. Mm Because I think some people have, like, a level of intimidation and Mm -hmm. that sort of comfort of intuition and just getting a sense of how things are. We're just from trying and failing. Right. I remember once she assigned me to cook a lasagna for my dad while... Uh because he doesn't cook. Uh-huh. And I was in high school. She was, I think, visiting her parents in Chicago. And it was a zucchini lasagna, but I used cucumbers instead. Uh-huh. And it was actually okay, except yeah. it was a little watery. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's a lot of trial and error. Yeah, for sure. My dad definitely cooks that way. He never uses recipes. And he uses it as, he's a lawyer, and he, I think... It helps him a lot at the end of the day to just be in his kitchen. Transition to, like, me time. Yeah. 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 To d- just, like, still be doing something, but it's all, like, towards this, like, satisfaction and relaxation. Yeah. And... I think, have you heard about the happiness ingredient called flow? Like, the how... No. Yeah, it's like, I've heard about it in a number of different from a number of different sources, but they Mm -hmm. say that people who experience flow in Uh what they're doing, whether it's in cooking or some other task, like even working on a car or Uh playing piano, like when you can be doing physical or washing dishes, Mm -hmm. like doing physical acts where you're accomplishing something, but your mind is able to kind of like move beyond what is happening to also like think about bigger issues but right you're not anxious because you're like performing these physical tasks Uh that's like a recipe one of the ways you can reach like a higher level of happiness and I think about that with cooking a lot because it's so methodical but then Mm -hmm. and you can kind of not think in a way yeah you have the like anxiety relief of like achieving something and being productive in contrast to like you know Well, I wrote 10 emails today. Yeah, which is never... <laughs> it's like not doing it creates anxiety, but doing it doesn't make it go away. It just means you write 20 emails tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, so you mentioned like how as you move up the chain, you sort of, as a diplomat, you become an entertainer. So when you were young, did you ever like... Were you invited to those meals? Did you have like fancy dinners? No, like I was never invited, but oh. I got to hang out in the kitchen. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What is that space like on a night like that? Um, I guess mostly stay out of the way. Uh-huh. Hope that your friends save you some cool treats <laughs> yeah. and find out what the leftovers are. Yeah. 
and avoid all contact with the front of the house because you don't want to hang out with those people anyway because they're in suits and boring. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I I have never been to like a truly formal dinner where it mattered what fork I used or anything like that. So I just wouldn't even know how to handle... I think it would be like, a cheesy movie like how nervous i would be you'd, about you'd google it before you <laughs> yeah. showed up but Just yeah like, like watch my, everyone else my parent like my dad as ambassador in laos now has mm-hmm. official state department china uh-huh. with like the gold rim and a gold eagle and <laughs> yeah. it's all paid for by your taxes <laughs> <laughs> you know they gotta eat off something yeah yeah um so I guess you mentioned it a little bit earlier about like the polenta cakes, but when you, (laughs) when you have a night that's like just yours, it's totally to yourself. What do you eat on a night like that? I guess I just see what's in the fridge. Mm -hmm. And if there seems to be, sometimes I do, I would say I says I live alone. So Mm -hmm. I would say, I might plan one meal a week mm-hmm. on a, like one dinner right. sort of a week that might keep me going for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then if there isn't that sort of planned set of ingredients, it's kind of just catch as catch can. Uh-huh. Um, like I said, stir fry is a good option or just weird snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like some, and I like I said, like I'll try to cook one one meal a week in an actual way at least, and then sometimes that's enough mm-hmm. if you know I've got dinner plans or I don't have like a f- I don't have a fallback like oh I'm you know I'll just have a poached egg. <laughs> right. It's pretty just dependent on what what's in my fridge. Mm-hmm. I do love just Asian cuisine in mm-hmm. general. And there's some stuff that keeps really well, like ramen. So I have mm-hmm. ramen noodles in my fridge and or freezer and broth mm-hmm. and dumplings. So I feel like like if I were to look in the fridge and there was some spinach or something else that could contribute to that, then mm-hmm. maybe ramen. Right. Um, but I, I, yeah, like improvised Asian <laughs> or strange snacks yeah <laughs> just, just that's like, probably it like yeah, yeah i don't even like i don't really buy cereal anymore so uh-huh. you can't even say that yeah no i um i well i don't know how to improvise asian food but i it's easy yeah <laughs> um but i'm familiar with strange snacks of just yeah. like whatever i can I, yeah, whatever I can throw together, like, the, I mean. It's like snack courses, too, because you can't mix them if they're, yeah. you know. Well, like, many <laughs> nights I'll have, like, a lot of, I'll just make a giant bowl of guacamole and have chips and guacamole as, like, a snack dinner mm-hmm. um, with lime sherbet because it's, like, a theme. It's, like. Peanut butter and crackers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, lots of Tur- peanut butter and turkey crackers. wrapped around a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my mom used to keep like thin sliced bread and butter pickles, uh, 
which weren't for my, I didn't like them on sandwiches. I didn't like how wet they made sandwiches. But if I ever just like got hungry in between meals, I'd just go and grab one. Yeah, delicious. And just like eat it like a sardine, I guess. Pickles don't last long in my house. No. Um, well, this has been great. Uh, we like to finish by uh, asking you to share maybe a toast or a blessing that you like to say before meals or you've heard other people say that you enjoy. Do you have something like that? You know, I don't really. Yeah. My, I feel like my family never gets that formal unless we're really formal. Like Uh it's Thanksgiving or maybe Easter and we're all together. And at that point we look to my dad Mm -hmm. and he'll perform just a very standard Catholic grace, uh-huh. um, but I hear it so f- infrequently, I don't know it by heart, mm-hmm. um, but when I'm with friends, I always just love to toast to just being together in the meal we're about to enjoy, yeah. and I don't even know that there's a word in Lao for that, but in French it's salut, salut. so how about that? Yeah, that's great, <laughs> salut. Great. Salut. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. It was really fun. Clarified Butter is produced by Ashley Melzer and me, Amy Allen. To learn more about our guest and about us, visit clarifiedbuttershow.com or keep the conversation going on Twitter and Instagram at ClarifiedB. And by all means, don't forget to hit subscribe. Until next time, eat what you like and say thank you.